Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 All, almighty God, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, this is such an awesome opportunity to come before you, Father, humbly submitting to you, to seek your face, to inquire of you, to worship you in the beauty of holiness, to magnify your name. The name that's above every name is Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We exalt you. We extol you. We acclaim you. We just magnify your holy name. You're the most high God. Thanking you for this day, just an opportunity to be a servant, to be used by you. God, we ask you to search us and know our hearts today. Try us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in us, O oh God, and show us the way everlasting, forgiving us of all of our sins, and then opening up the eyes of our understanding. Open up the hearts and minds and eyes of each and every person in this place to drink deep from the wellspring of life, to experience you in a new way, to experience your glory, to be able to hear and receive everything you want us to hear and receive that's going to bring about a change in our lives. God, we thank you for an opportunity to renew our minds in your word today so that you can change the way we think and then we can come up higher. God, let your will be done today. You get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, and we just ask you to we just thank you so father let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O lord for you are my strength you are my redeemer you are my all in all and truly lord i give you thanks and praise in jesus mighty name amen Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. First of all, I thank God for just an opportunity to give his word to his people. Thank you, Jesus. I thank God for our pastor even entrusting me to do this. And I thank God for you all being here today. So praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Today we are going to pick up on where we we, we started last week, and where we started last week is where God had wanted, um, started in 1 Peter 1, and that was to build up the framework for what he wanted us to really get to, which was in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. So last week, we talked about humility and that God has called us to be clothed in humility, and and what that looks like, how we're to cover our minds and our attitudes with humility in a humble state, a low state, not thinking more highly of ourselves. So we're going to pick up with that and go back over that before we get to the other scripture he's given us. So let's go over to 1 Peter 5, 5 and start from there. Talking about humility, the title for today's lesson is humility, the character of true followers of Christ. Amen. Didn't realize just how important humility really is. I know that we talk about it sometimes and, and ask God to humble us, but we don't really understand humility. And I'm still coming into it, and, and that's something that hopefully we all will come into, just how important it is if we're going to follow Christ to have a humble mindset and a humble attitude. So let's go over to 1 Peter 5, 5, and it says, 
Remember, before then, Peter was talking to the leaders of the church and telling them how they are to lead God's people. And now he's talking to the body of Christ, the members of the church. And he says, likewise, ye younger, which we talked about last week, could be young in age, young in position, young in office. But younger people, the younger in positions of authority are to submit themselves under the leaders of the church, the elders. And then he says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. That means leaders and members together subject one to another and be clothed with humility to cover your mind, your attitude, your everything with lowliness. He says the reason why he says that, why does he say we have to clothe, be clothed in humility? And it moves on to say because God resisted the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. And we talked about grace. We're going to talk about pride. But he talked, okay, so grace, we'll get to grace. Let's just do pride. So God resists. That resistance is to withstand to um, come against, to oppose. So God is opposed to a proud attitude. He's resisting that, which means God is not in this when we're proud and puffed up and full of ourselves. So the question is, why does God resist the proud? Hmm. Well, there are a lot of places we could go to in the Bible to look at this, but the Lord led me to this one scripture. So hold your place in 1 Peter, and let's look at why God resists the proud and go over to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. It says here, and we're not going to read all the seven things it talks about because we really want to focus on this pride. So we're going to read 16 and 17. It says, these six things doth the Lord hate. That's a strong word. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. So let's just first of all look at the word hate. In this context, it means to reject from one's fellowship. God rejects us from fellowship when we're full of ourselves, when we're full of pride. That's horrible. But that's how much he hates it. It says it is an abomination unto him. And that word abomination means detestable and loathsome. Ooh, these six things, even seven, God hates. And the first thing it says, and that's where we're going to stop, it says a proud look. O-M-G. A proud look. That's those haughty eyes. That's the look of superiority that I'm better than you. Oh, my goodness. God hates it. So when we're walking around all puffed up and full of ourselves and full of pride and arrogance, God is rejecting our fellowship. That means we don't have any fellowship with him. It may answer the question why some of our prayers are not being answered. Because we got that issue in our hearts, that proud. Think about it, a proud look. The eyes, the Bible says, are the windows to the soul. So when you're talking about what's in your eyes, it's really a reflection of what's down in you. Pride. So pride, God is he's rejecting us. We're not in fellowship with him. Therefore, he's not answering those prayers. He's opposed to the proud. Let's go back over to 1 Peter. He resisted. He's opposed to the proud. But the good news is that he gives grace to the humble. 
Pride is rebellion against God. Pride desires the excellence and the glory that belongs to God. In the King James Dictionary, it describes pride as inordinate self-esteem, or that's excessive, excessive self-esteem, and over-concern with oneself, an unreasonable conceit or, ex or excessive appreciation of one's own worth, one's own superiority, rank of elevation, beauty, talents, wealth, accomplishments, rank of elevation in office, which, mean, which manifests itself in lofty, high-minded airs, distance, reserve, and often contempt of others. Self-worship. Pride takes credit for any accomplishments instead of thanking God. As a side note, anything that dethrones God in our hearts is deadly. And anything that makes us sit on the throne of our heart is pride. Now, it's not wrong to feel good about something that we've accomplished, but in our accomplishments, we have to give glory and honor to the one that allowed us to accomplish it. So we're going to read a scripture that's going to talk about that. Hold your place in 1 Peter. Let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy, God was speaking to his people and letting them know when they get to the place where he was going to lead them, how they are to respond so that we don't get so full of ourselves when we become something or accomplish something. God wants, he, I mean, everything we need is in the word. Yes. And so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 11 through 18. And he says, talking to his people, Beware that thou forget not to the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and are full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end, that he might test thee to prove thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers as it is in this day. God was saying to his people, and because he doesn't change, the same message he said then applies to us now, that we don't do anything on our own. And, and the reason he said his people that you did nothing of your own, and all that you have is a benefit of my covenant blessings. 
my covenant blessings with you. So everything that we're able to get, we can go back to 1 Peter, everything that we accomplish in life is because God yes. equips us to do it. He gives us the ability, the skill, the knowledge, the wisdom to do everything. So who are we to get puffed up over anything that we can accomplish? We can't. Okay, so let's go back to 1 Peter 5, 5. God resists the proud, and that, and so we're going to look at aspects or characteristics of pride. First of all, pride opposes God. It goes, oh, I'll get to that. Pride leads one away from God because you're, you're, you're on the throne. It promotes self. It's all about self. It considers what is best for self. It has a short fuse, which means it gets angry easily. Pride does. Has to be right and has to have the last word. That's pride. Looks down on others. That's that proud look, that haughty look. Will not ask for help or admit that they need help. That's pride. You sitting out here. Don't have any food, but too proud to ask a family member or a body member in the body to help you out. That's pride. Can't ask for help. Complains. Not happy. Rebels against authority is unsubmissive. Rejects counsel or correction. Makes excuses when corrected. Denies it. Rejects it. Selfish has to have their way, is quick to speak, interrupts when one is speaking because they're already thinking about how they're going to respond with an answer before you can even get the word out. That's pride. Will not ask for forgiveness no matter how wrong you know you've been or I've been too prideful and pride let me tell you pride won't even let you ask because you'll sit there and you might think and it's like I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna ask for forgiveness that's pride well you're not wrong when you're full of pride I'm not wrong you're wrong and you need to apologize to me pride unrepentant as passages not gonna repent because you don't even think you have anything to repent for and guess what? It hinders intimacy with God. That's pride. So let's see. Pride goes against, when I was reading this and I was getting all of this, it's like, well, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Pride goes against everything that the Bible teaches. It goes against the teachings of God. It goes against the teachings of Christ. So what is that? anti Christ. Anything that goes against God is anti-Christ. So pride is a spirit of anti-Christ. I never knew that and never thought about that, but that's what pride is. Because God teaches us, first of all, to love him and love one another. You can't love nobody when you're full of you because you're on the throne. You only love yourself. So pride is an anti-Christ spirit. Mm, that's something to think about. <laughs> but like I said, the good news is he says, he giveth grace unto the humble. Now, last week we went over what grace is, so I'll just go over a little bit. Grace is not only God's undeserved favor uh, in providing salvation for those who deserve condemnation, which is all of us. 
Grace also equips us for service. It gives believers the ability to do what we cannot do. It helps us in our every need. And it's an ongoing act of God working in us. Grace gives us victory over sin. So God gives us grace to accomplish what he wants us to do, and grace helps us to be humble. Amen? Amen. So now we're told, as it said in verse 5, that we're to clothe ourselves with humility. So we are going to take a look at how to clothe ourselves in humility. How do we humble ourselves? Verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God or the power of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So how do we humble ourselves when we were born in sin, born with a selfish nature, and probably raised in pride? Okay? So how do we... Let's look at, first of all, what is humility? Humility is defined as the personal quality of being free from arrogance and pride, which is an over-exaggeration of oneself, and having an accurate estimate of one's own worth. In other words, we have to have a right view of who we are before God, recognizing that if he hadn't saved me, I wouldn't even be here recognizing that he's the one that picked me up out of muck and mire. So who am I to be lifted up and proud? You, that's the right view. The right view is recognizing who I am in him, that I am nothing apart from him, that I couldn't lift, my, I couldn't even get up out of the bed if he didn't raise me up, if he didn't wake me up every day. Is recognizing my who I am, the right perspective of who I am in him. And when I do that, then it lowers me. It causes me to be not so high-minded, to come down. Humility says it assesses oneself in light of one's sinfulness, knowing that I'm a sinner. It's having a right view of ourselves. That means we evaluate ourselves appropriately in relation to God. And when we do that, it's going to translate into gentleness. And that gentleness will have us act in a manner that's full of kindness and even tempered with others. So it, it um, is remembering how God has redeemed us and made us right before him through Jesus. That's having a right perspective. It means to hold loosely the need to be right. I don't have to be right. I really don't. I don't have to have the last word. When we're humble, we're able to learn from criticism instead of responding in a critical spirit. Humility helps us to lose self-obsession and instead learn how to have a healthy self-awareness. Let's talk about how do, what does humility look like? Well, the Bible gives us an example. So let's get it from the word. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. The example, Christ gives us the example of humility. Starting at verse, well, really, I could read from 1. I'll go back, but I'm going to start at verse 5. Chapter 2, starting at verse 5 through 9. And it says, let this mind be in you. I love that. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. Wherefore God have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. How do we humble ourselves? We take on the same attitude. If we are going to follow Christ, that's who we are, followers of Christ, then we have to follow his example. And his example was lowliness. He says, let this mind be in you. Now that mind is the attitude, have the same attitude that Christ has. And that's a mind of lowliness. The word let means allow, allow, clothe your mind with this attitude. And that mindset that Christ exhibited is a mindset of lowliness. He said, where even though he's came, he is in the form of God, remember, Jesus is made in the exact image of God. He is God. He did not think it robbery to be equal with God. It says that word robbery means something to hold on to. He didn't consider some, being God something to hold on to. It says, he thought it not robbery, but made himself of no reputation. That means he emptied himself. He emptied himself of who, not his divinity, but of all, the, all of who he is as far as his glory. He emptied himself of his position in heaven. He took a low position. It's the humility of Christ. It says here, and he emptied. Think about something that's empty. There's nothing in it. If we would empty ourselves, that means we're not even taking self into consideration. Self is not even in the picture. He took no reputation. He emptied himself and took the form of a servant, became a slave, became a servant to serve men and was made in the appearance and likeness of men. He took on a human form, the form of man, which means he experienced, he was truly man because he experienced everything that we will experience. He experienced suffering. He experienced weakness. He experienced, so he took on everything, the likeness of man, and humbled himself, took a low position, didn't consider who he was, but became low and obedient. You know what that was is he submitted. When that humility is submission, he submitted under the will of the Father. He became humble. That's the mindset that we're going to follow Christ, that we are to have that same mindset. My Bible said in the commentary that he considered sinners more important than himself. I'm like, wow. When, is, when have we considered someone out in the world or someone lost more important than ourselves. He did that for us. He was willing and obedient and submissive to the Father. Let's look at one more scripture about this mind that Christ had. Go over to, hold your place in Philippians, go over to Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Looking at the mindset that we are to have concerning how to humble ourselves. Matthew eleven twenty nine, and Jesus was speaking. Hmm. He was giving an invitation for people to come to him. 
and he said in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now this is what he says about himself, for I am meek, which means he is, he is gentle and lowly of heart is humble and you shall find rest for your soul. That word yoke means, a, it, the yoke is a harness that the oxen would use to ease the work of hauling a load. Now listen to this, it's, it's the harness that the oxen would use to ease the work of hauling a load. What are you carrying around? Get up under his yoke, which means Get up under that under. That's the submission. That's the humility part. Get up under God. He says, get up under my yoke. Get up under me and learn of me. Study me. Study how I do things. Get up under me. And when you do that, and you will know that because I'm gentle and I'm humble, and when you do that, you will find rest for your souls. When we submit under Jesus' teaching, Get up under his teaching. Learn from him. Because, see, we're not going to be humble if we haven't studied what humility looks like. If we don't know we're supposed to be humble, get up under his teaching. Let him disciple us into him. Let him teach us how to be humble. So when we do that, we submit, get up under him. He says that's the attitude we are to have as followers of him. Get up. And so he says he is gentle and lowly, he's humble. That's the attitude we're to have. So let's talk about, let's look at some qualities of humility. First of all, let's look at what humility is not. It's not weak, and it's not passive. Humility does not pretend to be worthless or to be what we're not, not putting on airs. Humility is not defensive. It does not feel the need for vengeance or revenge. Let's look at the good, the qualities of humility. In being humble, one can respond to unfair treatment without becoming bitter. Amen. Let's look at a scripture concerning that. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. See, God teaches us how we're to be, how we're to live, the behavior, the attitude. Everything is in the word. We just have to seek to know. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Paul was speaking. He was saying, and these are the, the Christian virtues, the life of Christ. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. When we have a humble mindset, a humble attitude, we'll put away. We don't have to respond to unfair treatment the same way it comes at us. We'll be tenderhearted. We'll forgive. We'll remember this is the attitude and the mindset that Christ has towards us. We're to be that way with one another. Putting away bitterness and wrath and anger. That's that pride. Anytime you come at me, I'm going to come at you the same way. That's pride. But humility doesn't do that. Humility knows we are unable to do anything apart from God. That's humility. I don't take credit for it. 
I couldn't do it if you didn't equip me, if you didn't give it to me to do. I couldn't do it. Humility makes us dependent on God and not ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That releases a burden right there. I don't have to do it. I lean on him. Let him do it in and through me. I'm dependent. Finally, get into that place of dependency. Thank you. Humility lets God do the promoting. I can't promote myself. I can't elevate myself. Humility considers what's best for others. When we have a right view of ourselves, we're going to look out for the interests of others because they become more important to us than we become to ourselves. That's looking out for the interests of others. Humility is not easily angered, admits to wrongs, looks out for others, will seek help when needed, is grateful, submits to authority, seeks counsel, and accepts correction. Humility is willing to yield, give in. You know, as a kid, if you had brothers and sisters, you all get into little wrestling matches, and they twist your arm behind your back. It's like, give, say you give, say you give. I ain't going to give up. Resisting that and you just getting a hurt, broke arm because you're too tough, too full of pride to say, I give. But if you're humble, you're willing to yield. You give. You don't fight it. You don't resist it. You give. Humility is quick to listen. Not so busy talking. Don't have to talk all the time. Now, don't be looking at me because y'all know I like to talk. <laughs> but don't have to talk all the time. We'll stop and listen to what somebody else has to say. And we'll also be able to listen to God. Sometimes we're so busy talking, we don't even take time out to listen to God. That's how we do when we pray. Sometimes we're so busy praying and making our requests and talking so much. God wants us sometimes to stop and listen. Humility makes us listen more than we talk. Humility is willing to apologize and ask for forgiveness. I ain't apologizing. I ain't do nothing wrong. Pride, pride. See, this is going to be good so that when we start operating in pride, it'll flash before us and bring some type of check or conviction that, I'm sorry, I messed up. God forgive me, is willing to ask. Because, see, you won't even ask God for forgiveness when you're full of pride. But humility means, God, I come to you. See, that's why I said pride has an unrepented heart, because pride won't say, God, I messed up. I'm sorry. Forgive me. There's no reason to repent when you're full of pride. But if you're willing, if you're humble, you're yielded, and you're willing to go and say, I repent. Humility is comfortable with who you are in Christ. Does, humility does not need to win every argument. Isn't that good? That's good news. You don't have to have the last word. You don't have to always be right. And don't have to have a comeback. Every time somebody says something to you, you don't have to come back with something. Because that's pride. Humility doesn't have a comeback. True humility comes by developing and cultivating a mindset that seeks to serve others without recognition of reward. Amen. That's humility. Humility reflects on and adopts the attitude and the actions of the one we're following. Who are you following? 
If you're following Christ, you can only follow him through this. If we don't get into this, who are you following? You can't just say, I'm, I, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross. Mm-hmm. What do you know about him? What do you know about him? Do you know what he's really done for us? Do you know the blessings and the benefits that he has stored up for us? Do you know you don't have to walk around heavy laden? Do you know that you can cast your cares upon him? Do you know that he's already made a way out of no way? Do you know you've been translated from darkness to light? Do you know him? Do you know that he is our savior, our redeemer, our healer, our deliverer? He is our all and do you, what do you know about him? Because see, when you know him, spend time with him, then you can follow him. Who are you following? You're not going to follow somebody you don't know. But if we're really following him, then he's changing our character. And that's important. I know when we talked about how the um, leaders, the shepherds, the pastors, the bishops are supposed to lead us, we also talked about um, following them, knowing who you follow. I just lost my train of thought. That's okay to come back to me. But knowing who it is that we're following. So when you got a leader that's um, controlling, a leader that's uh, putting demands, undue demands on one, you got to stop and say, am I following Christ? Because, see, that leader has to also line up with Christ, get up under, submit up under him. And if the leader is too high and mighty, too puffed up, too haughty to get up under Christ, then I'm not going to sit up under that type of leadership because it's just going to produce the same thing in me. And then we all walking around pompous and arrogant and full of ourselves. Remember, Jesus said he emptied himself. If you're full of yourself, you're not empty. When you're full of yourself, you can't. Be, you can't submit. You can't get up under. You can't follow somebody that you don't think you, you if you think you're just as good as and, and can do just what they do. That's an arrogant, prideful attitude that Christ said, that's not my, that's not how I am. I'm gentle and I'm humble. And we're followers of Christ, which means we have to take that same mindset, that same attitude. We say, clothe yourself in humility. Put that all around you. Clothe my mind, my attitude, my behavior in lowliness. It's not about me. It's about you, Lord. The right focus. Remember, having a right perspective of who we are in him. Recognizing that he's the one that saved us. He's the one that brought us where we are right now. And acknowledging him. To put on the mind of Christ is to choose Make a purposeful decision to study the word, meditate on the word, seek to know and understand who he is, and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to work that change in us. See, just because we've decided, okay, I want to be humble now, it's not going to happen overnight. That's going to take a working of the Holy Spirit as we yield, as we surrender, as we submit, as we get up underneath him and his teaching and then speak this word. Look, feed on this word. Let this word get ingrained in us because then when that word is ingrained inside, the Holy Spirit has something to work with and begin to work that word so what's going to come out is going to be what reflects who we're made in the image of. We're made in the image of Christ, but we don't reflect him. We really don't, but we can. We can. It's possible. Remember, he gives grace. 
Grace. Grace gives us the ability to be humble. Grace gives us what we can't do in our flesh. Hallelujah. Grace equips us for service. Praise God for grace. He gives grace to those who are what? Humble. Humble in mind. Humble in heart. Humble. Humility increases our hunger for God. It increases our hunger for the word. And it opens up our hearts to the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a hunger for this word, maybe pride is in the way. Something to think about and look at. What's stopping me from getting in the word? I'm tired. Every time I read it, I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I ain't got nothing to say about that. Check your heart. Examine yourself. Get a right perspective of who you are in him. Humility leads to intimacy with God. I want to read something, and I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. Out of Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, it says, it says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. He lives, he dwells with those whose spirit are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. If we don't have a repentant heart, there will be no humility. We got to repent for the pride we've been operating in. And then he can come in and dwell with us contrite, humble. So that's how we, that that creates, that's how humility creates that intimacy with him because we have a contrite heart. And it is a deliberate choice we make to depend on the Holy Spirit to work in us. Humility, hmm, as followers of Christ, we are to take on the same mindset, the same attitude that Jesus had where he emptied himself and became humble. We're to, now we can humble ourselves under the mighty power of God. And when we do, he will exalt us in due time. I'm going to read one scripture in Philippians 2, chapter 3. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, in humility of mind, and let each esteem other better than themselves. That's a humble mindset. So if we're going to be true followers of Christ, then we have to walk in humility. Amen. That's it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I will close out for the sake of the podcast with prayer of the um, Father. Thank you for this awesome word that has really opened up our hearts and our minds to the mind that you have. God, we first come to repent for walking around prideful, full of ourselves, inconsiderate, not preferring and considering others. God, forgive us for being so pompous, so arrogant, so full of pride. God, we cast that off. We don't want to do that any longer. 
It's a new day. We choose you. We choose to walk humble before you. We choose to put on the mind that Christ has, that same mindset of lowliness. God, give us the right perspective of who we are in you so that we can walk humble before you not arrogant and not full of ourselves, but lowly. Not that we don't think anything of ourselves, but we don't, but we think of ourselves less. We make it a point to put our focus on you and how we can serve and how we can submit up under you to become all of who you've called and created us to be. Thank you for this living word of life that's going to change our behavior and our attitudes from this moment on to take a different view a different perspective to walk in a new way. God, work this word in our hearts that we know this is a living word and it will continue to work in us as we continue to seek you and yield to you and surrender to you. Thank you for just being in the midst of all of this, God. Thank you for just because you desire so much greater for us than we could even imagine. God, thank you for teaching us that we are to be a humble people if we are truly going to be followers of Christ. So Father, let your will be done in our lives this day, and let your kingdom come in everyone that is in this place, God. And we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.